Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds. Drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Well, I want to tell you about the first one I got. Sure. He was. I had, I had had black and sands when I was younger, and I went for a long time without dogs. And I was just too busy with the family thing. I coached hockey and all kinds of things. And I always said, "You're going to get another dog. You're going to go through and hunt again." And I started trying to do a little research. And uh, there's a little trap and trail magazine that used to be out. And I got that because I do a lot of trapping. And, and Gary ran ads in there. Mm-hmm. And he only lived about 30 miles from me. Okay. So I got laid off work. So I worked so I got laid off in the winter. I got laid off and I called him up. And he had, I, like I said, I didn't know a whole lot about curds other than that they were kind of a combo dog. And I had never hunted with one, but he said he had one female that was just eight weeks old and not spoken for yet. Mm-hmm. So I packed right up. I went over there and I picked her up and I uh, took her home and she was going to be the house dog, the family dog, and the hunting dog. She was going to be everything. Mm-hmm. And so she was eight weeks old and uh, that was a Thanksgiving Christmas morning. We had a squirrel come in the yard. She'd seen it through the, the window. She went crazy. I opened the door. She went out and she got on the tree and she was treeing like mad. So <laughs> I ran out there. I shot that squirrel. And she grabbed that thing, and then I had a hard time catching her. <laughs> <laughs> and she was only 12 weeks old, you know. That's funny. And, and I thought, well, heck, I thought this is this is going to be pretty easy. So I spent, uh, by that time, there's no, well, at 12 weeks old, I'm not going to spoon her under anyway, but mm-hmm. she spent all winter with me uh, fever trapping her. I just took 22, and that dog treated squirrels all winter. There you go. And she was just a really unique dog. Springtime came. And she was just just over six months, like just maybe two weeks over six months, and we were walking into a, a beaver colony, and that nose went, that head went up in the air, nose was going, and all of a sudden she went shooting out into the middle of a swamp. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this dog doing? And I had no tracking collars or no anything. And she was out there just barking up the storm. And then I heard a coon fall. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> because this is not something I can walk in. That's great. She, she stayed after that coon until she got it to dry ground. It went up the first tree, and I still know where that tree is today. <laughs> Pretty memorable. Tree like mad. It, I just thought, boy, you know, it can't get any easier than this. <laughs> Spoiled you right off the bat. Oh, she did. It just a total natural with everything, which was good because I'd been out of it a long time. I had, I said, I had no tracking collars, no shocking collars, no mm-hmm. nothing. But she was just more than I could ever ask for. Now, how long ago was that? That was about 20 years ago. Okay. Well, Steve, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Uh, my name's Steve Watt. I live in Henry, Wisconsin, uh, about 30 miles from Gary Faulkner. And we're talking um, about... Faulkner Curves today. Faulkner Curves. I bought my first dog from Gary. 
And then because we were so close, we developed a relationship and we hunted together all the time. Mm-hmm. So I got to see all his dogs, hunt them and handle them because as he got older, he couldn't do it himself anyway. Yep. And he had all kinds of good places to hunt. So I just packed up pretty much every night and went over there. We went hunting. With, there you go. With, with, you know, my dog with his dog. And we did that for a lot of years until mm-hmm. he just plain couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So for, for all the listeners, I called Gary wanting to talk Faulkner Kurz, and he pointed me to Steve. He said, I'm out of the dog game. He said, call Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right now I have, I think I have seven, I have seven or eight. I have some other dogs too, but I think I have seven or eight Faulkner Kurz. Okay. And I don't breed a lot, but I sure, you know, maybe a litter or two a year if there's people that want them. Mm-hmm. But I sure enjoy hunting them. I hunt them on coon. And there, uh, every now and then they'll, they seem they can't, they can't resist the bobcat. <laughs> and I got, a, I got a couple little run fishers and they're kind of fun too. So I just let them go. Mm-hmm. But I don't squirrel hunt because we have so many fishers. I don't, I don't have any squirrels left in the woods. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much impossible unless I'm going to go into the city limits and chase them around town. <laughs> yep. It's it's a good way to start pups. I mean, that's definitely for sure. But I understand oh, what you I mean. See. Yeah, but to try and hunt them in the woods here, that's pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's few and far between, and it's pretty hard to reward a dog when all they do is run till they hit a hole and you never get to see them. Yeah. Now, since you obviously know Gary so well, do you know the history of the breed and how they kind of came about? And yeah. Because Gary actually informed me that my thought or what I had been told, read, whatever was actually wrong is, and I always thought that the Faulkners were just kind of a line of Stevens, and Gary informed me that I was not correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they were, he had dogs that were one time registered as Stevens dogs, mm-hmm. and they still look a lot like a Stevens dog. Uh, you know, that black color and the uh, and the white uh, trim carries mm-hmm. quite a bit. But, and the, the Stevens dogs, I think it was Lindsay, Smokey, and Woods, Poss, and John. That was, that was kind of a starting point there. But George Coot out in Ohio had a lot of influence with Gary mm-hmm. on their breeding program. And Gary was never, never shy to cross onto anything as long as it had the proper traits and was a good dog. Okay. So there's been a lot of different things probably bred in over the years. Uh, up where I live, there's, a, there's not a lot of coon hunters up here, but there's lots of big game hunters. Okay. And these guys do not believe in papers, mm-hmm. so you don't know what any of these things are. <laughs> you quite, but, but they're good dogs. It's always been just best of the best, and they all call hard. Yeah. So there's a lot of good dogs. And so he would check some of that stuff over the years and cross that in. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's all based, everything was based on getting the traits that he wanted. And, um, and what, what did Gary want when he was breeding his dogs? Well, what they are, they'd be a medium-nosed dog, extremely fast, um, good winning ability, good handling. They kind of have that curve. They've always maintained that, that curve mindset, curve brain, mm-hmm. that they 
to handle good. They want to please you. Okay. And so that's kind of what he's wanted. And he's wanted, I've, I've never hunted a Stevens dog. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few of some hunts, but Gary's dogs, from what I've seen, are a little bigger. Yeah. Most Stevens dogs, you know, from what I understand, are, are tend to be more of a 30, 40 pound dog. Yeah. Or even guys, smaller. Yeah. The ones I've seen were actually smaller and kind of finer bones. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have, we have big coon up in this country. Oh, yeah. You know, you get, you get plenty of 30 pound coon, some 35 pounders, and they don't tree worth a darn. Okay. You'd have to have a dog that can handle them on the ground and you're not going to be in business long. <laughs> these, you know, I've hunted a lot of different places, and our coon up here are just, they're a little different than, than like what I've hunted with uh, Iowa and Missouri and, and Indiana and stuff. Mm-hmm. These coon just run and run and run. Okay. And they will not look at you in a tree. <laughs> find eyes it's just a rare deal well when they're as big as a bear cub i mean it shouldn't need to <laughs> oh no but like they they don't like to climb so these dogs and being fast they catch plenty of them on the ground mm-hmm. and gary actually had a guy up with a stevens dog one time and, and the guy lost his dog mm, that's sad but regardless the got, got down in the down in the creek and, and killed the dog and Gary himself, he was an old houndsman, so he really, he really didn't want a little dog. That yeah. he didn't want something so big that he couldn't handle it. You so, know, somebody, how big would you say your dogs are? My my male run in that forty five to fifty five pound range. Okay. And the females, some are on the you know that thirty five, but most of them are right around that forty to forty five. Okay, that's kind of like size I like. Yeah, there was a a dog that Gary owned. Her, uh, her registered name was Lucy, but everybody knew her as Cricket. And she was really small, but she was really good, and she really produced. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, some of that small stuff still comes through. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I kind of like that 45-pound dog with a lot of legs. Yeah. I like the athletic racing dog, I guess. No, I, I agree. I mean, that's kind of where I my dogs fall, and that's what I... I really like as far as size as well. Okay. Not too big, not too small. <laughs> kind of that little sweet spot right there. Yeah. You know, and then I can fit more of them in the dog box too when I go bear hunting. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I know Gary told me when uh, when I was talking to him, he said the first dogs he got were just two black gray dog, cur dogs out of uh, West Virginia. And that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. Because I was at, when I talked to him, I asked him a little bit, and that was one of the things he said. And he he did tell me about George and crossing a lot of the toots blood in. Okay. Yep. But he didn't yep. say much about crossing in like the other hound or or grade dogs, whatever they were from up your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really doesn't talk about that much. <laughs> but but it's, I mean, you have to you have to have something to breed to. Oh yeah. And so, you know, you basically outcross and then come back towards the curve. Mm-hmm. Now, I know WTDA registers them. Does anybody else? NKC. Okay, they are NKC registered as well. Yep. I wasn't sure. Uh, from what I understand, uh, from a lot of the other registries, 
will register them, but they'll register them as a tree and carrot rather than a Faulkner. Yeah. Now, how many Faulkner breeders do you think there are? <laughs> you? Probably just me right now. Okay. You know, there, at one time, there was there was a handful, but they were all in Gary's age range. Mm-hmm. And they've either, you know, passed away or they just can't do it. Yeah. And he never, he never pursued anybody, you know, it's the younger generation. He, he just kind of got set with his, his old ways. Mm-hmm. I actually asked him a couple of years ago, when was the last time he sold a dog to somebody that was younger than 50 years old? <laughs> and he couldn't answer it because he's just, a lot of it's just been repeat people that just keep coming back. You know, yeah. they buy one dog and well, they're ready for another one and that's where they go because they like what they have. At this point, I think most people wouldn't be very familiar with them. It, it's not like they get too much publicity. No, they don't. <laughs> you so, know, I mean, Gary doesn't even own a cell phone. That doesn't surprise but, me. So I, I feel like I'm kind of, technology-wise, I feel a little challenged at times, but I'm miles ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, that he'd have been more up-to-date with that stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he could have grown it, or kept growing it. Because yeah. they've been, he's placed them in 42 states, I believe. Wow. Over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, um, so I found Faulkner's years ago, you know, reading uh, Full Cry, and I know he was recognized by WTDA a couple times as like breeder of the year. And they were definitely known about back when he was breeding a lot and, and everything. But obviously, like you said, as as his age is, as he's gotten older and gotten out of them and stopped promoting them and been less and less, you hear about them. Yeah. And, you know, up in the century where we live, there's no, there's just no market for care dogs. Okay. There's no hunts for them up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I want to go, if I want to try and title out a dog, the closest place I can go is Iowa. Mm-hmm. And that's probably five and a half hours away. That's hard. I mean, if, if that's the closest place. Yeah. And you'd have to be very dedicated to try and title a dog out. Yeah, you do. And, you know, I I titled some. When I when I first got going with them, I, I went to a lot of hunts just mm-hmm. because the main reason was I wanted to see what else was out there. Mm-hmm. If there was something, I always told Gary, if I, if I can find poodles that are better than me, that's what I'm going to hunt. Yeah. And he'd give me a dirty look all the time, you know. <laughs> but I'm going to be seeing that I want, I want good dogs. Definitely. And I've always been more than satisfied with what I've had. Now, you said you run coon and bear. Yep. So that's kind of one of the things that interested me was I knew Gary ran bear with his dogs. and. So I am, I live in Pennsylvania where we're not allowed to run bears, but I travel mm-hmm. to West Virginia and Virginia and I, I do bear hunt a little bit, Okay, but I, I need a dog that I can primarily coon hunt, you know, so yep. I, I'm looking for a dog. I, like when I'm looking at different dogs and stuff, I'm looking for, at a, for a dog that I can do both with. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that kind of caught my attention with the Faulkners and, and why I wanted to find a little more out about them a little more. Okay. So can you tell me a, a little bit of, about how they hunt and, you know, the pros and cons of them versus I'm sure you hunt with plenty of hounds through the years. So, Yep. I, I actually, I have some hounds. I have, I have a couple black and tans. Okay. And the reason I have them 
is because we hunt off base over here. Mm-hmm. And if it's 12, 14 hours old, I need that colder nose dog to get it going. Gotcha. For a long time, I just hunted with the curves. I never baited. I just rigged. Mm-hmm. And if they bark and we go. Yeah. And I think I had more fun doing that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of have a sweet spot for my black and tans. That's what I had when I was, you know, years ago, too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they're just, they're such excellent rig dogs. I've seen it where we've had a bait hit and driving into it. And uh, so I had a little dog named Smokey Bill. And one time, Smokey Bill's up on the rig and I'm driving into the bait. And they've got a couple hounds down. And they couldn't get the track going. And Smokey Joe's up on top of my truck just going absolutely crazy. He's just raking his heart out. And I'm, I didn't know, you know, at the time, I just thought he was just being stupid and excited because them dogs were down and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I got up there and I just let him down. Well, he went he lining out probably four or 500 yards out in the swamp. And he got the bear going. Nice. Because he pulled the sense where that hound has his nose on the ground. Mm-hmm. He's hunting the air current. Yeah. And I've had him go as far as 800 yards with his nose in the air, there to bear. I've had him rig bear, bear dens in the wintertime. And so it's, it's just a little different hunting the curve than the home. Yeah. But it's, it's nice having both, so you have the options too. Definitely. Now, when you're coon hunting one, how far out do most do your dogs range out? Uh, they're probably 70, 100 yards. Okay. Uh, my theory is they're all tone broke, and they tone break really easy. Mm-hmm. I can still go in just a tiny little 5, 10-acre patch of woods and turn them loose. With today's technology, you see them getting where they're, you know, to the edge of the property or wherever, you just tone them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always figure I can reel them in, but I can't make them go. Yeah. So I want one that's going to get out there and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to know the difference if you want to walk on. A lot of times they don't hunt as far and they check in more often. Okay. But if you sit on the tailgate, they're, they're going to go. Gotcha. You know, if you if you spend enough time with them, they kind of figure out what you want. Mm-hmm. They're real personable, really like to please. Yeah. A friend of mine that hunts once, he was trying to break her off a deer, and he had always hunted real soft dogs. And these guys aren't, they're not soft. Okay. They, they got a lot of hunt in them. And so he, he kind of got behind the, the eight ball breaking him off deer because he was afraid he was going to take the hunt out of him. Yeah. And then he figured out that she responded better to him being mad than to electricity, that it hurt her feelings if he got mad at her. <laughs> and that's kind of the way they are. If you, like I said, if you spend that, that personal time, you know, yeah, it's a little different if they're just tied out and you just, you know, feed them and hunt them. Mm-hmm. But if you actually make them your pet, they really, they really buddy up to you and like to please you. Yeah. That's, I mean, kind of what curs are known for and kind yeah. of the typical personality of most curs. And so, especially if, if that's kind of what Gary was after, is that cur personality and brains. And that would yeah. explain that. Yeah. To me, that's what makes them a pleasure to hunt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. If they're hunting, hunting, you know, hunting kind of with me and, and doing what I want. Mm-hmm. Now, do they open on track? Semi-open oh, on track? Or? Yeah, they're they're wide open. Okay. Is, they might be a little tight mouth until they get something going. Mm-hmm. But once they've got something, they're, they're wide open. 
most of them have a chop mouth or ball mouth? Just about all of them are chop mouth. Okay. Some of them, I've had a few that have had uh, ball mouth on the tree. Okay. Interesting. They're real, they're, a lot of them have had a really good ball mouth changeover. Mm-hmm. Then back to the chop. Gotcha. That's nice. But it seems like, yeah, oh, that's really nice. <laughs> a straight <laughs> chop dog something that can be hard sometimes. I had a plot here for a little while that he was, he was straight chop no matter what. And didn't have much of a changeover you really had to be listening and at times mm-hmm. it was like i think he's treed let me sit yep. here and listen for a second and if it's not <laughs> moving i th- i think he is <laughs> yeah and like well that little smoky dog show dog i had he he changed throughout the years he started out he had a triple chop and he was so loud you didn't even want to walk into that tree at hurt your ears <laughs> He was just insane. And then he, as he got older, he, what he developed was this beautiful ball locate and then just a nice, easy chop. Okay. You'd take something, somebody hunting them, and they'd be listening. And, you know, as soon as I'd hear that, I'd say, well, load the gun because he's got it. Mm-hmm. And they'd, they'd look at me and go, what do you mean? Yeah, he just told me he's got it. <laughs> you know, deadly accurate. It's always good. Yeah. Nobody likes walking uh, into a slick tree. Yeah, that just doesn't happen with these guys. (laughs) I can probably count on one hand how many I've had over the years. That's pretty impressive. And two of them were where a bear hit the water Mm -hmm. and the dog grabbed the tree right, you know, right at the shoreline. Okay. I could look and see where, you know, where the bear hit the water when I got up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and then we're both, then we're bare at night, so. Okay. Other than that, they're just, they're really track-minded, and I think that helps mm-hmm. with that. Sometimes, sometimes mine, I have to work a little bit to get them, you know, real good on the tree. For the most part, they've, they've got it figured out, but they really do love to run that track. Yeah. I, so I they're going to hit that tree, and then they're going to check, and then they're going to hit the tree, and then they're going to check themselves again. <laughs> I know the one thing Gary was saying when I talked to him, he said um, in order to catch and tree a lot of bears and bobcats up in your country, he said dogs really have to have a second gear. He goes, you know, and put that extra pressure on once they jump it. Yep. And he said a lot of, a lot of dogs he's, he's hunted throughout the years, they didn't have that. And that's one thing that he's bred for. And that's what he really liked is a dog. Once it jumped, it kicked it into high gear and, and put that extra pressure on. And that's what made him so successful with these dogs. Oh, and that's, he's, he's right there because these guys, when they get something going, they're running to catch it. Mm-hmm. These guys all love burning them off. You know, some people say you can't, you know, you don't want to shoot too many coon off this and that. Not these guys. <laughs> they want to catch everything that they run. Yeah. They would just assume it be on the ground and not in the tree. <laughs> You know, we were we were bear hunting Gary and I one time, and he had he had Tug and I had Smokey Joe, and that's father son. Okay. And we had the the old telemetry system. Mm-hmm. And we were with a group of guys that we had never hunted with before, and had bear going on. Gary and I were on the north north side of the section. Them guys were on the south side, and all of a sudden we heard on the radio. Yeah, these curs, they came out to this road. We don't know what they were doing, but we grabbed them and threw them in the dog box. And I didn't know what was going on, but we we just stayed on that north road. The dogs were somewhere in the middle that we could hear from time to time. And then 
about 10 minutes later. Oh, here come the dog. They just crossed, but we don't see the bear. <laughs> well, sure, we're that far ahead of them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, needless to say, I got on the radio and I said, Can you turn the dogs loose? I'm sure dogs loose again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they just, they flat out fly, they give you everything they got. Nice. Now, back to the appearance of the dogs. I meant to ask you, do they pretty much only come in black, or do you, you ever get any other, anything else color-wise? Oh, um, Brindle was acceptable also. Okay. I actually have, my last litter was born a year ago, and I have never had any off-colored dogs, and I got three Brindle. Mm-hmm. And I know them, all the, I know the whole pedigree, four generations back, mm-hmm. I've hunted with most of them, and there was none of that. But it came through. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, the only ones yeah, I've ever every, seen were blacks. So that's why I just wasn't sure if there was any other yeah. acceptable colors or not. Yep, yep. Brindle's acceptable. Okay. And I actually I actually kept one. I would have too, especially, you know, you hadn't seen it in that many years and it just popped up. I probably yeah. would have. Yeah, he's Brindle with white trim and he's beautiful. The neighbor's lady, she calls him Hollywood because he's so pretty. <laughs> When I opened the welcome box, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. <laughs> you know, and then people all want to know where that comes from. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's always a question. That's, that's everybody's burning question is where that stuff comes from. But, you know, when you go back, even with the Stevens dogs, everything was registered as cur dogs at one time. The Stevens dogs were registered with the Mullen cur. Yep. So it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. Plus, it can come from some flat blood. Well, and you also. We both talked about how Gary bred to George Toots dogs. A lot mm-hmm. of his dogs were Brindle. Yep. Yep. So. And there was always controversy of what he had in his dog, too. Yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny how there's a lot of controversy around success. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but. but there's a lot of his, that blood still, I mean, it's it's not close, but. If you go back in a lot of pedigrees, you're you're gonna find it. it oh yeah, yep. There's a lot of good stuff that came from there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's always fun to see stuff come back through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, when you were running the hunts, how did your Faulkners do in the hunts compared to the other curs? The first dog I took was was that first one I got, the Molly dog. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it because I hadn't hunted her with strange dogs enough. She was kind of a piece of work. She did not like to tree with. The first tree was fine, but after that, she didn't want to tree with another dog. Okay. So she would do stuff like get like first strike, first tree, and then she would move over a little bit and grab another tree and try and convince them to come over there. <laughs> and she would do that to my pups, too, and then she would go back and sit under the, the right tree and let them bark at the wrong tree. I had a great mixed-up cur like, dog that did the same thing. Yeah, so, so she did. She did some neat things. Uh, I was down in Missouri with her, and we turned out and uh, went in a field road a little bit. And turned out, and as soon as we turned out, we heard two coon fighting. And that dog, instead of going in a straight line, with a trick, and we had crossed the bridge. And, uh, maybe she had smelled them from there, but she ran back to the road, down the road, across the bridge, and then went up to the coon. <laughs> And one of the guys goes, I'm scratching my dog. I just want to watch it. I've never seen nothing like that. 
That's funny. And then uh, so I just quit hunting her, and I took another dog I had. Um, her name was Dottie. And Dottie, she lost one, well, what's it? she lost two cats. That's impressive. One was I let somebody else hunt her, and he wouldn't call her treed. He had never done it before. Mm-hmm. So hand, handler error, not dog error. Yeah, and after the hunt, one of the guys in the cast, he wanted to fire. He goes, that's all I just thought my own. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one, the other one that she lost, she opened, dog went with her, and we were down in southwest Minnesota, and it was in the spring, and it was about 30-mile-an-hour wind, snow was blowing, and they went across this open field, and I couldn't even hear it. And the other guy called his dog tree. Well, when we got there, I, I eventually called her tree on the way there. But mm-hmm. she was in the bottom of a steep ridge on the lake shore, and the other guy's dog was sitting on top of that ridge, basically looking at the coon. Gotcha. So you couldn't hear her because she was down in that hole with the wind. Mm-hmm. But there again, if, and he was he was a pretty pretty experienced houndsman. Mm-hmm. He was quite the dog jockey back in his day, so <laughs> he got the best of me, but I don't think he got the best of the dog, you know? Yeah. But yeah, other than that, you couldn't beat her. She was she was built for, for competition hunt. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, she was one of them. She'd you know, kick rocks in your face and you turn her loose and just flat out go until she was freed. Yeah. We were... Uh, we were at a hunt one time, and I spent all afternoon in the clubhouse listening to a guy tell me he had the coldest nose cur dog. He had the coldest nose line of cur dog that you can find in the country. Well, I drew him out, and we turned loose, and I don't know where Daddy went, but his dog and another dog went to cornfield, and they opened up, couldn't move the track. They left, so they got minus. They went, they went back and forth to that same spot until they got minus, or until they got <laughs> minus dog. Yeah. And I'm I don't know where, like I said, I didn't know where Daddy was. All of a sudden, Daddy comes rolling in. She goes right to where they were, opens up, and just runs out of there like she's looking at it. <laughs> and she probably went a quarter mile to the end of the cornfield, and she was out in a big old fever swamp. So it kind of burst his bubble there about the cold nose theory of his dog. <laughs> now, what was he? What kind of her dogs was he hunting? He had a Canadian fur. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't going to say nothing, but as soon as you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> And actually, I, I was yeah. just talking to a guy about Canadians uh, the other day, and heck, I, I don't know if you could find one if you wanted to. I don't think so. Well, not too many left out there. No, I mean, I don't know. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, there was a lot of these, like, smaller offshoot cur breeds, and it, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of them are now kind of drying up and or, or have and no longer being produced because you had very few people breeding them. Right. So once those breeders went out, nobody kind of stepped up and took their place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I would hate to see that happen with the falcons. They're still, they're still a good following, but they're all older guys, you mm-hmm. know, and they don't want, they don't want to deal with all the puppies and all that stuff. Yeah. They just, just as soon buy one pup and, mm-hmm. and hunt it so it can't go no more. Yep. It's a shame. You have to get on all the social medias and start promoting them. <laughs> You know, the last litter I had, they went pretty good. I was surprised. And I, this year I've been a little hesitant. I just don't know what the market is out there with the, the price of gas and all that stuff right now. I'm not sure yeah. where it's at. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm, I'm not in pure country here. 
Mm-hmm. Now, even though you're not in her country per se, like typically when there's somebody that's breeding a, you know, a, a line of dogs, other local people see them and buy them. Are, is there a handful of local people that, or fairly local people that have them, or are you pretty much the only one? Look? We're pretty much, I'm pretty much the only one. Uh, there's a buddy of mine that has, he's got two of them now. He had one and he just got another one from me. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys are really set on their old family line of the same old, same old. Okay. And like the big game thing, that's kind of a, it's a, it's always a group thing. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of clicky little groups and you'll go to some of these bear hunter things and them guys, you'll get in fist fights over who's got the best breed of dog. <laughs> It's yeah. just terrible. <laughs> but I, I sold a couple to a bobcat hunter up in northern part of the state last on my last litter and, and he's he deals in a lot of dogs. He told me right out, he goes, The reason I'm getting these he said is because these are gonna shorten the chase for me. There you go. You know. Mm-hmm. So he he knows. And then I think uh, some of these home guys have uh, trouble relating to the curve. Mm-hmm. You know, because they are a little different. Yeah. And I, they just don't want to change their ways. Mm-hmm. It, it takes you know, a different I've style of, a little bit different style of handling and training them than it does yeah. hounds. So if you're used to, if you're setting your ways and you're used to a hound, then I can see where it, it definitely is a shift. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen where I ran into it at one time where some of these fur dogs really don't want to go hunt with them hounds for some reason. Okay. Since I've got a couple of hounds at home, that hasn't been an issue because they mm-hmm. grow up with them. Yeah. But it's, there's just a different mindset with a fur dog over a hound. I'm not, mm-hmm. not sure how to put a finger on it completely, but when I, I hunted with a dog, it was a, it was a top 16 in automotive one year. Mm-hmm. And we turned out, and my dog went open, and that dog went to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which was funny because then mine ran a tree and his didn't. <laughs> but I'd, I'd take little Smokey Joe and he would check them you could tell if the dog was good or not when I took little Smokey Joe because if they weren't good he wouldn't he'd avoid them totally okay if they went one way you could send them up on a on across the road and for some reason he had a peg he turned go the other way <laughs> he just said I'll, I'll, I'll go do my own thing huh yeah I don't he was kind of different but you know, mine always hunted together, mm-hmm. and if there was something up and going, they weren't going to pass it up. Gotcha. They, you know, when you're bear hunting, no, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't going to get left out. Mm-hmm. But they got a, they've got an independent streak, and and you could see it sometimes. You know, a lot of times when they were hunting with the hounds, unless, like I said, I've I've had no problem with that with mine growing up with the hounds. Yeah, I've got a big old male black and tan. When, uh, when I have a litter of pups, as soon as they start to wander around, I go tie him out with them. And they all buddy up with him. Sometimes you go out in the morning, you have all the puppies in the dog house with him and mom by herself. <laughs> but I think socialization is just huge with, with all the curves. Yeah. More so than the, the hounds. The hounds are just, a lot of them are just like everybody. Mm-hmm. Or nobody. Yep. But the hounds, the curves seem to be really they can be really family oriented and just like their their people are. Mm-hmm. And I've I've actually tried to get away from that. Okay. A little bit. I I think that anybody that comes 
any kid kid that comes in my yard should be able to walk up to any dog. Yeah, and I understand if, that. If, if that can't happen, then I can't live with them. Mm-hmm. Well, another interesting story or two of some more of your adventures with these black dogs. <laughs> I have one good memory with Gary one one night. We had a guy coming, two guys coming to look at a dog, and one guy was a red bone man, and he was bringing a, an employee of his that just wanted to, to get his first dog. He thought that a clear dog would be a good fit for him and his little boy. And Gary had an old Chevy truck with just a uh, regular cab. So the red bone and I, we rode on the back of the truck for our first hunting spot. And the whole way there, he was ranting and raving about his red bone. <laughs> just, just, I mean, he was giving me a pretty good line. He had his boy with too. And we turned loose, and I had Daddy with that night. And I think Gary had Pete. And them two took off, and they went. There was no time. They had actually went up and going on a cornfield. But where Gary lived, lots of ridges. So everything's up and down. And it really steep. So you drive around a lot of times to okay. get close to the dog. Mm-hmm. And in no time at all, they were up and over. And we drove around and said, oh, no, they're over the next ridge, too. And we got over there. And we walked in. And it took quite a while to get there. And them dogs were just giving it. And we got in there. And he's got his little boy, and he's, I ain't never seen nothing like this. This is beautiful. Go, Can I take pictures of these? <laughs> <laughs> Changing the hound guys' minds. And I was just thinking, boy, you know, you should never brag about your dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, like they say in Hollywood, you know. Dog will make you a liar quicker oh, than anything. Yeah, yeah they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Here you tell a story about you had an old dog that everything was pretty much based off of. Okay. You had a guy come come to see old ugly. Old ugly treat like four possums that night. He had never treated possums before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a tree dog, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, all you can do is laugh sometimes, you know. Yep. Definitely. But, no, I just I just enjoy the heck out of them. And mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know how many times I've had, had hauling guys with me, and especially on the rigging, because these guys are so good. They'll blow up, and they, they come off the top of that truck, and it's not looking for a track. They're lined out. Okay. And these guys, these guys are like, I ain't ever seen nothing like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Because the hounds they typically get out, and they gotta. They just don't come off there like them. These guys are just like a rocket. Yeah. More often than not, they've got it figured out and they're gone. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's my favorite way to hunt. Yeah. It's harder and harder to find places to do it, but it's a lot of fun when you can get in a good good ground to hunt like that. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm the opposite down here. We can't we can't bait in West Virginia and Virginia where I hunt. So you either rigging or you're walking a ridge or something like that trying to find something so yeah gary pulled a lot of dogs to bear hunters in west virginia way back when mm-hmm. and i think it was there again it was kind of some tight-knit family stuff that yeah didn't let any of it out so mm-hmm. to speak but i know they were pretty successful out there awesome maybe i'll have to try one one of these days if i if go. i had my way i'd have a i'd have a whole pack of mixed one of everything 
<laughs> see, see what I like. I've talked to camera people, Treen Tennessee Brindle guys. Um, I have leopards. Okay. So I've I've talked to a lot of people, and I'd probably have a like I said, one of everything to and run it all together to see what I yep. thought the best was if I could. Yep. I have a leopard here too. She was a charity case. She killed guys' chickens. Okay. And he was about ready to do her and wife showed up at my doorstep <laughs> <laughs> with the dog. <laughs> and I had started with her, so I kept it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on here tonight. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>